Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewlett, and joining me in the studio is my handsome hubby and co-host, Jeffrey Isbell, and my amazing daughter and super creative vegan chef, Ariana Isbell. If you listened to Ari on our last show, you learned how to make the most delicious vegan sushi. And don't forget, you can always listen to past episodes anytime you want, so if you missed anything, Feel free to catch up. Ari, what do you have for us in store today? Well, last episode we made sushi, so this time around we are making something traditional and homey. Stuffed cabbage. It may be summer, but you can still warm your soul with this delicious vegan recipe. (laughs) Mm, You know, the great thing about having such an amazing chef for a daughter is that Jeff and I get to sample all these recipes, and that is a treat, I tell you. Yum. And as much as I like talking about food, (laughs) especially when it's cruelty-free, we've got some really great things coming up in the show, including talking with a real live prince (gasps) who uses his celebrity to advocate for animals. We've also got the latest animal-related news and upcoming pet events. And if we have time, we'll get into pet health and behavior issues. And I want to remind everyone that if you have any questions relating to animal health, behavior, wildlife, write to us at PetPlaceRadio at gmail.com, and we'll answer your question on the air. Also, if you have any vegan recipes that you really enjoy, send them to that same email address, PetPlaceRadio at gmail.com, and I'll try them out. We may end up featuring your special dish on the show, and you too. That's right. This show is for you, our audience. So we want to cover the topics that you care about most. So send us your news, questions, recipes, events, info on adoptable animals. You name it. We are here for you. But now, let's talk about animals in the news. Some of you may be following the story of Kristen Lindsay, a veterinarian, and I use that term very loosely, who last year killed her neighbor's beloved cat by shooting it through the head with a bow and arrow and then proudly posing with its lifeless body on Facebook. Oh, a caption under the photo read, My first bow kill, LOL. The only good feral tomcat is one with an arrow through its head. Needless to say, the humane community took immediate action and started a social media campaign about this. When the veterinary clinic that employed her found out about the incident, she was fired. But unfortunately, the grand jury in charge of Lindsay's criminal case felt that there was insufficient proof of animal cruelty. Insufficient? That's insane. I mean... In the picture where she was posing with the cat, one of the expert witnesses, a veterinarian, said that the cat appeared to be alive in the photo still because its legs were tense. It was alive with an arrow through its head. How is that not cruel? Yeah, I know, but a lot of people, including grand jury members, have different ideas about what animal cruelty is. It really makes you wonder, doesn't it? It sure does. It does. 
So with no criminal charges, the Veterinary Licensing Board held their own hearing to decide if they should yank her license or not. And guess what they decided? Yes. No. She gets to continue practicing veterinary medicine. Can you believe it? Oh, no, that's awful. But guess what? There's more. She's also in the midst of a driving while intoxicated case. She was arrested back in March, and her next court date is June 8th. So she's an all-around upstanding citizen. Oh, absolutely. I'm not sure how the veterinary board thinks she's someone that's up to their licensing standards. She kills a pet with a bow and arrow. She demonstrates severe lack of judgment, driving while drunk. And what else does she need to do to have her license revoked? I mean, obviously, if she was a human doctor, things would be entirely different. The thing is, Ari and Jeff, if she had shot a little puppy, the story would have had a completely different ending. I don't think Anyone would have thought of her actions as anything but a violation of cruelty laws. Our society somehow places less value on the lives of cats than they do dogs. And this is really troubling. Yeah, I don't understand it. I know so many people who say they just don't like cats. Even people who have had cats. How can you be so speciesist? You know, there's a lot of people that say things about cats. And even if you say something to the contrary, they'll up their game and say something even worse about cats, and everybody laughs, even if it's a little bit of an uncomfortable laugh. And when we put up with that, you're silently encouraging it. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? What's the value of life, whether it be animal or human? What is cruelty? Is there suffering? Well, I have a stupid human story again this week, and again, it seems like an appropriate place to bring it up. But unfortunately, it's not humorous like last week's Snake in the Pants story. That one was fun. <laughs> but last Saturday, two lions were killed after a naked man jumped into their zoo habitat in Santiago, Chile. In what onlookers described as play behavior, a male and female adult lion bounded over to him and started sniffing him and batting at him with their paws. Zookeepers, fearing that this behavior could potentially shift and become dangerous, and I'd like to add, get them into a lot of trouble, decided to shoot both lions rather than use tranquilizers because, quote, the time for the drugs to take effect would be too long. The thing quote. is, if they shot both lions with tranquilizer darts, that stings, and the big cats would have run away. That would have given zookeepers the opportunity to rescue the man. So this just seems like they really rushed to a decision. Right. And the man left a note that seemed to indicate he wanted to recreate the Bible story of Daniel in the lion's den. Always a good idea. Yeah, because he thought he was some kind of divine prophet. So essentially, his delusions caused these two beautiful, magnificent animals to be killed, and it is just awful. Stupid human trick. Yeah. And he's expected to survive, so he probably thinks his delusions are true now. Hey. Ugh. Well, hopefully he won't try anything like that again. It's just so upsetting. You know, since we're doing cat stories, I do have one for you that is a little happier. Phew. <laughs> I'm glad to shift into different gears now. Thanks, sorry. <laughs> well, a little background first. A lot of irresponsible people tend to dump cats that they don't want anymore at public places like parks, schools, even big stadiums. This is totally against the law. Yep. But it's hard to catch these idiots in the act. And most law enforcement agencies don't have the time to pursue these cases. That is true. Anyway, one little cat who was dumped at Angel Stadium in Anaheim ended up having a pretty interesting adventure. The Angels were playing the Cardinals. 
it was the fourth inning, when suddenly there was a play <laughs> that wasn't in either of the coach's playbooks. Oh, tell us about it. <laughs> well, an orange and white striped tabby cat ran through the infield and started darting around until one of the angel staffers scooped him up. Aww. The kitty, which obviously wasn't feral or that man would have been ripped to shreds, yep. melted into his arms and calmed down. Aww. He was then taken <laughs> into the locker room and given a saucer of milk while the big scoreboard posted his picture and dubbed him Rally Cat. The fans went wild. After the game... Angel's management contacted a cat rescue, and little Rally Cat is awaiting adoption into a forever home. Yay! <laughs> what a great story. You know, I'd just like to point out that there are a lot of stories that don't end this well. That's true. And uh, it's only due to the efforts of a few people that uh, make some extra effort that it can work out this well. That's right. Cat rescues do so much to help abandoned kitties like Rally Cat. So a little later in the program, we'll shine the light on some of these rescues and their available adoptable felines. But first, let's check in with Aria again in her kitchen. Hey, I think you're going to love this one. Today I am making stuffed cabbage. Mm. Stuffed with what, you might ask? Well, lentils, of course. Oh, I love lentils. Mm -hmm. I love stuffed cabbage. (laughs) Or, you know, if you want, you can put any other grain of choice that your heart desires. Now, I personally like barley and rice because they add a nice chewy texture to the mix. But like I said, you can do anything that you want. Now, what you'll need is a large cabbage, ketchup or tomato sauce, olive oil, a large onion, 12 ounces of lentils, one cup of rice or barley, and a pinch of salt and pepper or MSG. Don't tell anybody I said that, but you can put (laughs) MSG. Okay, you got that all? Good. In a big pot, bring six cups of water to boil. While you're waiting, go ahead and peel eight nice cabbage leaves and do your best not to tear them. We're going to use these to wrap up our stuffing. After you wash the leaves, put them in the boiling water for about two minutes until they're nice and tender. You can throw out the water or keep it depending on how cabbagey you want your broth to taste, but it is stuffed cabbage. (laughs) Either way, drain the leaves and move on to your onion. Chop it up roughly and saute it in the olive oil in the same pot you cooked the cabbage in. Once they become translucent, add ketchup or tomato sauce to your taste. Now, remember, it's better to start with less and add more as you need because it's easy to go overboard. You can always add more at any point in the recipe. Once you've finished with that, add all your grains as well as salt and pepper into the pan and let it simmer for about 10 minutes until they are soft and then turn off the fire. Spread the cabbage leaves and put a heaping tablespoon of the mixture from the pot into each leaf. Then roll them up like a burrito with a seam at the bottom so they don't unravel. After all your leaves are rolled, place them back into the pot, still with the seam at the bottom, and add back the cabbage water or vegetable broth just until it covers over the top of the rolls and simmer until the leaves are extremely tender and all the grains are completely soft. Enjoy! Wow. (laughs) That sounds delicious. You know, my mom, your grandmother, used to make stuffed cabbage all the time when I was growing up. And this sounds very much like her recipe with a little bit of a twist to it. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's always a pleasure. And I have to give credit where credit is due. This recipe is actually inspired by dear grandma's recipe. Awesome. Well, I'll have another delicious recipe on our next episode. So make sure to tune in. Hey, Marie, we've got Prince Lorenzo on the phone. Oh, wonderful. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Um, You know, I couldn't be better. (laughs) 
Okay, so all the listeners want to know, you are a prince. So first we have to find out, tell me, what are you the prince of and where are you from? And tell me a little bit about where that all comes from. Um, well, it dates back to the 1600s. Uh, one of my relatives was the Pope. He was Pope Paul V. And it, before uh, he became Pope Paul V, it was Camilo Borghese. And like a king, he had the power to bestow titles on families. And my side of the family got five titles, one being prince. Oh, that's awesome. And it's been, yeah, it's cool. It's been passed down generation to generation. And it's just, we, we also are related uh, to Napoleon. His his sister married a Borghese, and, and then he became a prince too. And then there were a lot of marriages in Italy with actual royal family versus uh, families of nobility. Mine's a family of nobility, but we ha- we were aligned with a lot of families in Italy because back then you, you marry for land and power. So we, we were essentially united with a lot of royal families. And as I said, we have five titles on our side of the family, but it all started in 1605. Oh, okay. And somehow you ended up in the United States. Were you Were you born here in the United States? No, I was born in Italy, and my father was working for his mother. My, my my grandmother had a cosmetic line, and my father was working directly for her. And then he he felt like he wasn't taking him seriously because he was the son of the woman who ran the company. So he said, I, I've had enough of this. And he went to Max Factor in, in Paris, and he moved the family of Paris. And then he moved us to the United States because he got a job with Menon, and then he started his own cosmetic company uh, after Menon. Okay, so how does that all tie into animals? Uh, it's actually, it, it does tie in, believe it or not. Um, my dog, I, I had a black lab, and she had really dry skin, and I was using, you know, uh, human products on her, etc. I thought that was really good for her, and I brought her to the vet, and I kept asking him why, why she's scratching, why does she have dry skin? And he said, well, you're bathing her too often. And I said, how do you know that? And he says, I can just tell how often you bathe her. And I said, I bathe her about once a week. And he said, no, no, no. You only bathe your dog once a month. Um, pet shampoo is really bad for your dog. Um, it causes dryness. And that's when I said, this makes no sense. And I started doing research. And I found out that a lot of the things that are in human parks that actually have been transmitted to pet parks are really bad for their skin because dogs and people have different skin and different, and different needs. Right. So... 14 years ago, I developed a formula, and I think I was probably one of the first to do it, at least in the pet industry, that was paraben-free, surfactant-free. Now everyone's doing this for human products, but I started doing it for pet products 14 years ago. Oh, wow. And what are these products realizing called? that since Lorenzo's royal treatment. So to tie it all in, because my family's in cosmetics, I had the connections to make formulas for me. Very cool. They take care of uh, human needs, you know, skin needs for humans, and uh-huh. I take care of human needs for pets. And you have a real passion for animals, don't you? Yeah, well, I, I, I grew up around them, you know, ever since I was a little kid. Ever since I remember, you know, uh, being alive, I was surrounded by pets. And you have so a, a special I, dog named Belle. Yeah, well, Belle is Belle is the dog that, that I created a little treatment for. And what was special about her was, you know, everyone has that one special dog. And I grew up around dogs as well. You know, we, we had a beagle called Cromwell. Um, we had we, we had many other dogs, but this one was my own dog. Was, I, I got her when I was 21 as a birthday gift for my girlfriend, and I told her I either wanted to go to Great Adventure for my birthday or I wanted a female black lab. <laughs> and you know, this was this was a time where we didn't know anything about puppy mills. At least I didn't know anything about them. Um, oh, I was okay. in the pet industry, 
Mm-hmm. And she didn't get a, from a puppy mill. But what was funny is that she was in Greenwich, Connecticut, and she called me and said, you wouldn't believe this, but there's, there was a woman on Greenwich Avenue that had a litter of black labs. And she, this is her talking. She said, my sister stopped her because the dogs are so cute and got her number. And if you want a black lab puppy for your birthday, you have to come up to Greenwich today. And I asked her, well, did your sister know that I wanted a dog? And she, and she said, no. Like, this is so weird. So I drove up, and I went to this house, and the door opened up, and this one dog came running over to me, and it was the only one left, and she was a runt, and she was a female, and I adopted her on the spot. Oh, that's And that dog cool. was with me for 12 years and, you know, Aww. really changed my life. She went to college with me, and she was on my first job with me, and, <laughs> and she's the reason why I, I started my pet line, and because I saw her suffering, and yeah. I wanted to create a product that, that I could use on her. That is very cool. And since then, you know all about breeding and spay and neuter and pet overpopulation, and you're working hard to address the issues that come with pet overpopulation. And I've heard about an organization that you're involved with called Animal Aid USA. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that? Sure. I started Animal Aid USA in 2012 because I'm I'm in the industry and and I'm also the ambassador to the Humane Society of the United States as well as the ASQCA. And I've just been involved in a lot of animal charities. And, you know, I get a lot of people pitching me, hey, can you help with my charity? And I always look at things like this woman contacted me and she says, listen, I live in in South New Jersey. I heard about you. Do you have 15 minutes? Um, I'll come see you in New York. I want to explain to you what I'm doing. And I said, sure. So she came up to New York. we, We met for coffee. And she, she dropped off a DVD. She said, this is, this is what I've been doing for the past couple of years. I was the head of the PTA for my son's class, mm. and we had a cause. And instead of doing, you know, a food drive, which is very common, I started to do pause for a pause. And I started doing research, and I found that one of the most inhumane states with how to feed animals is Georgia. Oh, yeah. So I decided to, yeah, she says, I decided to drive down there with a caravan. I got all these volunteers from the school to drive down with me. We came back and we stayed, I think almost stayed the 200 dogs on this one caravan. Wow. And she was she was blown away with, with it. But the, the children who adopted all these dogs hadn't seen the condition that the dogs came in. So I she saw said, a this video day, about that. I mean, some of the dogs that are down in Georgia are just in pitiful, horrifying and, and, conditions. And you've been going yeah, down there regularly to do rescue missions. Yeah, so after I saw her video, I said, I really want to help you. Let's start our own organization. We'll call it Animal Aid USA. I'll help promote it. I'll help raise money for it. But I just want to make sure one thing. If I do this, no one gets the salary. I want everyone that's involved to be a volunteer. I want 100% of the proceeds to go to saving animals. Wow. And she said, absolutely. So we, the Animal Aid USA group is a bunch of volunteers that drive every month to Georgia from southern New Jersey. Wow. How and long does that we go take? To, it takes about 12 to 14 hours because we have bugs to go with us. So okay. we make a lot of pit stops. <laughs> so it's a long drive. We drive through the night. We leave Thursday. We get down there Friday. We spend the night Friday. And on Saturday, it's transport day. We have two separate quarantine facilities where we pick up our animals. And these dogs were were the, the majority of them were in high kill shelters. Right. We actually had one shelter that we pulled from that had a 98.2% kill rate, and it's now oh, down to man. 10% because of what we've done. Ooh. So we drive down. <gasps> That's I mean, it, 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 it's, it's crazy numbers, and we drive down every month. We've saved over 12,500 dogs so far in just oh, four years. Man. That's And we're going down again. I know, it's crazy. We're going down again this upcoming weekend, and we have over 300 that we're going this weekend. How do you fund this? How do you raise money for this? 
we have events. We ha- we do PR. You know, we we won the Medicare show three times, so we, we talk about it. We have a lot of grants, and we have individual donations for people who want to make sure that their money is going to an organization where 100% of the proceeds go to healthy animals, and that's what we're about. No one gets a paycheck. Everyone understands that, and um, everyone who donates to us knows that we're, we're doing this 100% for the animals. And just to give you our average cost, our, our cost to save a dog is about $50, where other organizations are close to 500 Oh, wow. And that's simply because we have no pension plans. We have no physical office that we have to pay, and we have no salary. Where do you bring the dogs after they come from Georgia? Do they go into private foster homes? A few different locations. We have several receiving rescue groups where they have pre-selected our dogs. We bring them up, you know, spayed, neutered. They have all their health, health certificates, etc. And then the receiving rescues are no-kill rescue organizations that don't have enough supply for the demand. And then they actually charge an adoption fee for the people adopting these dogs. They, they love working with us because it doesn't cost. So we have our receiving rescues. Then we also have individual people that have heard of us that have been pre-selected to adopt. And then we also have fosters. Wow. And that allows us to do about, yeah, yeah, it's anywhere, our our largest was 526 in one weekend. (laughs) So I know our listeners would probably love to help you out. Do you have a website where they can visit and possibly donate? Yeah, it's animalaidusa.org, and then we will be adding a lot of things to it, including our caravan schedule. We have taken it down because we were redoing the site, but our caravan schedule will be up later this week. Okay. So anyone can also join us in any of our caravans if they want to help. And they can drive down with us, or they can meet us in, in southern New Jersey when we arrive, and we arrive at 10 a.m. on Sunday once a month, and we have a, you know, a couple hundred volunteers that wait for us. And it's really cute. We have a lot of you know, young children that come out and wait. Wow. And they love seeing the puppies and the dogs that we bring, and they wash Aww. them, and they walk them, and they get them ready for adoption. That is so cool. So once again, it's animalaidusa.org, and you find, can find out all of the information about this wonderful organization and the wonderful work that they do. And Prince Lorenzo, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been absolutely delightful and I'm so impressed by everything you do. Uh, well, thank you for having me. And, you know, as we talked earlier, I'm so glad that you just do this because you love animals and you want to help. So I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. You have a terrific day and good luck in your next rescue operation. Thanks, Leah. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye now. Okay. Bye. Even though there are so many people like the Prince, shelter and rescue volunteers, our listeners, and so many more advocating for homeless animals, There are still millions of homeless pets in our country. We can't showcase them all, but we have a few today that we hope you'll consider adopting if you're looking to bring a new family member into your life. Right. And remember, if you do adopt a pet, it's a lifetime commitment. We don't want any more rally cat stories. So let's get started with a beautiful female, smoky, tabby, short-haired kitty who is probably about 8 to 10 weeks old. She has lovely green eyes and is living in the South Los Angeles Animal Shelter, which is located at 1850 West 60th Street in Los Angeles. This little kitten's ID number is A16274529. And you can inquire about her by calling 213-485-0214. She is absolutely adorable, playful, and affectionate. And as much as we all love kittens, older cats need homes too. And I do have the perfect cat to talk about. 
It's Tomas, and he's also at the South Los Angeles shelter. He is a short-haired cat, probably about two years old, barely older at all. He has a splash of gray on his nose, along with what looks like a gray toupee on his head. It's pretty cute. His tail is gray as well. So these are some pretty unique markings. His ID number is, grab a pencil, A16305360. So be sure to write that number down as a reference. Again, A16305. And our final spotlight shines on Sasha, who is at the OC Small Paws Rescue in Fountain Valley. She's approximately 13 months old and is a petite gray tabby who was rescued from the Downey Shelter after she unfortunately lost all of her kittens. She's shy at first, which they say means about a minute, but then she'll come out and seek attention. For more information on how to adopt Sasha, please contact OC Small Paws at 714-815-4300 or email ocsp.adoptions at gmail.com, putting her name, Sasha, in the subject line. Orange County Small Paws Rescue brings kitties to Petco's throughout Orange County. Here is their spring and summer schedule. Saturdays from 12 to 3 p.m. at Petco in Orange, 10.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Petco in Mission Viejo, 12 p.m. through 3.30 p.m. at Petco in Westminster, 12.30 to 3.30 at Petco in Huntington Beach, that's the one on Adams, and from 12.30 to 3.30 p.m. at Petco in Costa Mesa. You can check their website for the most up-to-date information on current adoption events at www.ocsmallpaws.org or email them at ocsp.adoptions at gmail.com. And we also need to let everyone know about Irvine Shelter's big super pet adoption event coming up June 5th from 10 to 4. Oh yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's their 10th annual super pet event, isn't it? That's right. They've been doing this for 10 years, and it just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, they've invited more than 40 pet rescue groups and animal shelters, whose staff will be bringing some 600 dogs, cats, rabbits, and other small animals who are available for adoption. And, even if you aren't ready to adopt a pet, or already have pets in your family, this event features low-cost microchipping, entertainment, cool pet products and toys for a sale, a silent auction that raises money for the shelter's animals, gourmet food trucks, and a whole lot more. It's a really fun event for all ages. What's the cost of admission? Well, it's actually a suggested donation of $2 per person or $5 per family. And again, all that money is used to help pay for veterinary care for shelter pets and making sure that all pets can stay in the shelter until a home is found. So it's a worthwhile cause, a worthwhile donation. The Irvine Animal Care Center is located at 6443 Oak Canyon in Irvine. And even if you miss this event, they always have wonderful pets that are looking for forever homes, as we like to say here on the Pet Place. And with that, it looks like we are just about out of time. We hope you've had a great listening experience and we'll tune in to our next episode when we'll feature more animal news, cruelty-free recipes, adoptable pets, fun pet-related events, and more. 
Be sure to visit us online at www.petplace.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash petplaceradio. And remember, pets need love and a home, too. Have a wonderful week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>